Well, welcome. This is Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I'm Jane. And I'm Shannon. And today, it's a beautiful Saturday. Uh, gosh, I think 71 or something. Oh, gorgeous. It is gorgeous. And so today we're talking about, has nothing to do with the weather, but I just mentioned that, Matthew 25, the parables of Matthew 25. So that's what we're going to talk about. And we're just going to see where God leads us. And these are some really great parables, if yeah. you haven't read them. There's three of them mentioned here, and it talks about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Kingdom of the God. kingdom of heaven. Um, and the two, the first two are distinct parables, and the third one's a little bit different, but we'll get into that as we go along here. Uh, the first parable is the parable of the ten virgins, and mm-hmm. you may have heard this before, but we're going to go through it uh, with a little more depth. Um, Jane, would you just read through that, par- yeah. that first parable? Can, can I read it from the message? Yeah, go okay. ahead. really like how the message says this stuff. I just like the message. I know. I like NASB. I like MLT. I, just, I like them all. Go ahead. Okay, okay, okay. God's kingdom is like ten young virgins who took oil lamps and went out to greet the bridegroom. Five were silly and five were smart. The silly virgins took lamps, but no extra oil. The smart virgins took jars of oil to feed their lamps. The bridegroom didn't show up when they expected him, and they all fell asleep. In the middle of the night, someone yelled out, He's here! The bridegroom's here! Go out and greet him! The ten virgins got up and got their lamps ready. The silly virgins said to the smart ones, Our lamps are going out! Lend us some of your oil! They answered, There might not be enough to go around. Go buy your own. They did, but while they were out buying oil, the bridegroom arrived. When everyone who was there to greet him had gone into the wedding feast, the door was locked. Much later, the other virgins, the silly ones, showed up and knocked on the door, saying, Master, we're here. Let us in. He answered, Do I know you? I don't think I know you. So stay alert. You have no idea when he might arrive. What You know, I, can I say some of the stuff that I wrote down? Sure, go ahead. Okay, so th- this is about what is God's kingdom like. That's how Jesus says it. And also, one thing I want to say, if you look uh, before this in, the, in chapter 24, these are being told to just the disciples. Right. He's alone with the disciples. Yep. And so I think we could say all these are being told to believers. Yes. And um, I agree with that. Okay, so I... I and few, I think, I yeah, think they're ahead. extremely applicable to all of us today. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I want to just... A few things I noticed when I was reading the story of the virgins. Okay. First, all of the maidens fell asleep waiting, even the wise ones. Yes. And the kingdom of God will arrive when you don't expect it. I mean, nobody is going right. to expect it. Well, yes, you're expecting it to happen. Right, but you don't know when. When it happens, you right. don't know. And um, we're to stay alert, always looking ready for his arrival. But then I, I liked how um, the silly ones, in other uh, translations they call them foolish ones. Right. And being foolish means being unprepared, and that's what kept them away from the bridegroom. Their foolishness, their silliness, they were being unprepared. That that kept them away from them. And, and I just thought of this when I was reading this. When they first got there, they noticed that the other ones had oil. Why didn't they think, hey, that's a good idea. I'll go get some too. You know, they had opportunity to get prepared. Right. But they didn't take it. And that, I think, is... I think that is... Uh, the meaning of this parable. I'll just put a little context in because okay, you know me. Yeah. I love context. Um, this was, there's typically three stages in a traditional marriage at this point in time. 
of uh, Jewish marriages. Of Jewish back marriages then. at yeah. this time, yes. And the first one was was the betrothal, or was the uh, engagement, and that was an agreement made between the fathers. It wasn't anything like we would consider engagement now. But the second the, one was, okay. a, yeah, the families agreed on. Yeah, okay. It. The second one was a betrothal, and that was a ceremony where they made kind of mutual promises, that kind of thing. The you third step was the marriage. Okay, but you called them both betrothals. I'm so, no, I, I've, made, I've tried to correct myself. Oh, sorry. First one's engagement, second one's betrothal, oh, third okay. one's the actual marriage. Okay, go ahead. And the third one, the marriage actually happened approximately one year later when the bridegroom came and at, an, at an unexpected time right. for his bride. Isn't that exciting? And at that point in time, he would take her, yeah. take her from the family. That was, I mean, that was the unexpected... Okay, now it's official. We're going to come. We're going to be together. Oh, could you imagine those brides? They would have been so excited, but well, they didn't know when he. The bride didn't know when he'd show up. So I, it was kind of interesting because I, when I read this, I was thinking about our situation. You know, we got married in May, and it wasn't until November when the army finally said we could live in the same place. Mm-hmm. You know, our marriage, the wedding was at one point, and the marriage where we actually started living together was at a completely different point. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it talks about the ten virgins. Now, traditionally, it's not about the virgin. The virgin part is not important. No, it's just that they're young maidens. But right? the, it would have been assumed um, that they were virgins. Uh, but the ten is what's important. And the ten is the ten lamps of the bridal procession was traditional because ten was a round number, was a favorite round number. So they would have ten. Okay. That was a big point. Um, is that this? This is the expected number was ten. Okay. Okay, and so. Uh, it talks about um, them waiting for this for this time when he shows up, and they don't know exactly when. But again, you are they're expectant. Mm-hmm. They know he's going to show up. They know he's going to show up enough that they are prepared for him. Even though, like you said, everybody slept, mm-hmm. but when it happened, everybody woke up. Right. So it was okay that everybody slept because they were just ready. Mm-hmm. Now, and I've, the couple of things I found out, first of all, you know, the wise and the foolish is how mm-hmm. a lot of translations go. Um, the wise ones were prepared for everything. The foolish were not prepared. But it doesn't say good and bad. No. Just wise and foolish. Mm-hmm. So they were there to perform the tasks that they were required to do and everything like that. They were there as it happened. But they were foolish in the fact that they did not do anything in preparation mm-hmm. for it, even though, like you said, they knew mm-hmm. that they would need the oil. Mm-hmm. They saw the extra oil. They even asked for that oil, and the other one said, no, we brought enough. Just for us. For us. We, we, we're we doing our part on our side. You should be doing your part on your side. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was very interesting. And it also, um, in the actual translation, mm-hmm. um, it talks about the the oil and the vessels and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Uh, a lot of times it, it would have been more like a torch almost. Oh, where it would have had oh, okay. oil in it. But, you know, it was kind of like a, a torch sighting thing. They would show up as, a, as part of a profession. But um, the oil is, is the important part of it. That was the difference. Yeah. So what this parable is talking about is um, being mm-hmm. prepared and not being prepared. Mm-hmm. Not whether or not you know it's going to happen. Right. Not whether or not you want to be there, right. but what you actually do to prepare for it. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's there's some depth in there, and we look at it from our perspective. Um, 
as believers, we right. need to be prepared. And then I also liked how we can't rely on anyone else to prepare us. Mm-hmm. We have to prepare ourselves. And just because everyone around us is prepared and we kind of can bask in their light or whatever, that doesn't mean I'm prepared. I've got to do the work myself. I've got to get ready. And and like you said, it wasn't bad or good people. It was prepared and unprepared, wise and foolish, or wise and silly. It is silly to not prepare for something that is so huge, such a a big deal. You know he's coming back, so be on the alert and be prepared right now. I mean, listening to this podcast is preparing you. Right. I mean, anything you do to, to get closer to Jesus is preparing you. And I, I just... I love that. I, I just, but again, it's not a like you're a horrible person. It's just you're unprepared. I mean, it's anyway. I, ju- I just thought that was good. You want me to read the second one? Well, no. I oh, wanna, okay. I you're not just done. a little bit more. No. Yeah. I, I got just a little bit more. Oh, go ahead. Um, oh boy, that's a long spider web. Yeah. Um, wow. I, I found. This uh, website called The Enduring Word, and then has a, a commentary about this. I thought this was awesome. Okay. Um, and it goes to uh, it goes back to Zechariah four one through seven, and looking at that, um, it talks about the gold lampstands. Mm-hmm. What do you see? It's, I saw I see a gold lampstand with a bowl at the top and seven lamps on it with seven channels into the lamps. Also, there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and one on the left. Mm-hmm. I asked the angel, what are these lords? He says, do you not know what they are? No, my lord. He said to me, this is the word of the Lord of Zerubbabel. Not by might or by power, but by my spirit, says the Holy, says the Lord Almighty. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit there. And in this commentary, it talks about the fact that the oil mm-hmm. is, represented, is representing the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, without the oil, the wedding party was not ready for the bridegroom. And without mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit, we can't be ready for the return of Jesus. Oh. So it, it gives a list of different things that the that oil represents or that the Holy Spirit represents. It's all there. But um, without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we can't be a true Christian. Mm-hmm. So by showing up unprepared, it's kind of a lip service thing. Oh, lip service, yeah. Yeah, and if uh, Romans 8-9 through 9 says, Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. Mm-hmm. So in this parable, Jesus is talking about spirit-filled and non-spirit-filled. If you have the oil, you're spirit-filled. If you don't have the oil, you're not spirit-filled. So if you're, t- he's trying to explain to them the concept of um, being wholly filled with the, with the Spirit and being wholly his. Right, so you, you you can look like you are, but you're not. All right, so they they are the when we are relying on the spirit within to guide us. That's a but I I want to say mm-hmm. we believe Shannon and I and, uh-huh. and most people we know when you accept Jesus, you also get the spirit. It's not like you can be a Christian and not have the spirit. So if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit within you. It's just if you allow him to work in you. Right. And that is the difference. And, and that's part of our sanctification. That's part of our growth in Christ is that we should be letting the Spirit lead us. And if we ignore the Spirit or we, we quench the Spirit, mm-hmm. we temper the Spirit, mm-hmm. you know, blaspheming the Spirit is the one unforgivable sin according to God. Yeah. And so the Spirit should be active within us. And the scary part, I don't know if you want to call it scary, I guess, 
um, the the real dangerous is this part where the door was shut. Yeah, and then he did. And it was him. shut in the strongest terms. It was mm-hmm. it was it was shut, and then he said, "I don't know who you are." And Jesus talks about that later, or in another uh, part of the of the gospel, he says, "There are many on those days that will say, Lord, Lord, yeah. didn't we do all these things in your name?'" And he'll say, "I never knew you." Yeah. Well, that kind of goes with the last parable in this too, and um, but yeah, here in the message it says the door was locked. Right. It was. It was done. So uh, there's a quote from Spurgeon here. It says, "When that door is once shut, it will never be opened." There are some who dote and dream about an opening of that door after death for those who have died impenitent. But there is nothing in the scriptures to warrant such an expectation. Any larger hope than that revealed in the word of God is a delusion and a snare. Um, There is, when the door is shut, the door is shut. And whether that is um, when we, when Jesus returns or when you, if he doesn't return before you die, when you die. Then the door is shut. Yeah, it's over. Scary. That's it. So, I mean, this is this is a a warning from Jesus that um, if we are not in the Spirit, if we don't know Him before He comes, we will not. He will not know us when He does come. Yeah, yeah. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So, Mm -hmm. this parable is a really easy one. You know, we have to be ready. And uh, like the website says here, it says the price for failing to be ready is too high. Yeah, it is. We can't afford to do that. All right, the second one is the parable of the talents. Okay. And in the message, it calls it the story about investments. Okay. It's also like a man going off on an extended trip. He called his servants together and delegated responsibilities. To one, he gave $5,000. To another, 2000 To a third, 1000 to a third 1,000, depending on their abilities. Then he left. Right off, the first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment. The second did the same, but the man with the single 1,000 dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. After a long absence, the master of those three servants came back and settled up with them. The one given $5,000 showed him how he had doubled his investment. His master commended him, Good work. You did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The second, with the 2,000, showed how he also had doubled his master's investment. His master commended him, Good work, you did your job well. From now on, be my partner. The servant given 1,000 said, Master, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways, that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. I was afraid I might disappoint you. So I found a good hiding place and secured your money. Here it is, safe and sound, down to the last cent. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers, where at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take the thousand, give it to the one who risked the most, and get rid of this play at safe who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into utter darkness. Yeah, that's and that's an interesting translation. I like that too. And um... I like that how he says it's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. And I, I, when I read this, I said, first, we each are given responsibilities God expects us to take care of. And now is the time to put to good use the gifts God has given us. And also, I like how the least you could have done. So at least, like I, I circled this. This is what I circled in my journal. Do something. We don't have to do huge things for Jesus. But if 
if God has given you a gift of whatever it is, money is one of them, but also things that you can do or skills or working on a truck for someone in your family or <laughs> it's a little shout out to my my son-in-law he's working on Shannon's truck right now I don't think he and my daughter they listen to our podcast but maybe one day um but uh anything do something for Jesus don't just and don't wait for a better day to start and don't wait because well I don't know that much so I'm just gonna all right. Wait till I know that. Oh, okay. So I'm I'm walking. I'm going to go into context again here. Okay, real go quick. ahead. Go ahead. Um, it was common for something like this to take place. If a man oh, was to travel, okay. it was common to assign um, trustworthy servants something to do while you were gone. Um, the talent at the time was not an actual coin, mm-hmm. and it was not obviously talking about a skill. It was talking about at this point in time they were talking about. A weight of money. And in, in today's um, economy, it would be about $1,200, according to this website. And that $1,200 in modern terms, if you, but it could be more. If you think about that, the number of talents that were given out, that's a substantial amount of money. Mm-hmm. And in those days, that would have been about, if a talent was worth 6,000 denarii, it would take a laborer. 20 years to earn that amount of money. Oh, wow. For, to so earn even a talent. one was a lot. Right. So they all had a substantial amount of money. It also is interesting that he said, to each according to his ability. Right. I like so that. So some of them got more. Some of them, you know, there, there was five. And, you know, there was, there was different amounts for yeah. each one. But they were all given those things. Yes. And then it said, he who received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. Mm-hmm. And he who had received two gained two more. I like that because what I see in that when I'm when I'm reading through this is no matter what you have, you have the ability to work with it. Mm-hmm. Some people, yes, you know the Billy Grahams of the world are phenomenal evangelists, mm-hmm. and they will do phenomenal things with what they have. They are able to do those phenomenal things. But with what each of us have, we are able to do phenomenal things. I don't care what you have. If you can double it, that's that's awesome. And God says not everybody has the same gifts. Not everybody has the same ability. So you may not not have the same responsibility. Mm -hmm. But you do have a responsibility with whatever you have to do the best you can with it. Mm -hmm. So I like that, that concept. And... The went and traded part mm-hmm. implies that they actually took active. No, they took actions. They took a direct action to do something with it. Mm-hmm. That was a choice. Right. That was labor. That was an intensive thing. He was on a long journey, so this took place over time. But it was an it was an intention. It was, yeah. They they did it intentionally. It wasn't accidentally. It didn't just happen. It's because they worked for it. Yeah, and that the the one that who just got one talent, or in in the message it says one thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a man who lived in fear and unbelief and being safe. Mm-hmm. He just wanted the status quo. He thought, okay, I'll just give him back, give it back to him when he gets back, and that'll be good enough. So he did do something. Yeah, he dug a hole. He hit it. He hit it. He didn't lose any money. No. He didn't lose what he was given. However, he did nothing with what he was given. And that that was the huge difference. I mean, we see three different servants here. 
Yeah. And one started with more and doubled it. Second one started with less and doubled that. And then we get to our third one. But there really is no difference in the response. That's what I love about the first two servants. Yes, you were given according to what you can do. Mm-hmm. But the response was the same thing. Yeah. And I love this. It's well done, good and faithful servant. And this is the translation I have out of the NIV here. It says, you have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Mm-hmm. Now that that itself, entering into the joy of the Lord, That I like that term too. And, and the Lord is joyful about yeah. what you did with yeah. it. Yeah. And he is... I, Every time I read this parable, it never ceases to amaze me. When I first read it, I thought, boy, that's... I remember when I... I distinctly remember going through this the very first time I read through this after I became a Christian and thinking, wow, he left, gave you work to do. You got good at it. He said, here, let me give you more work. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you more work to do. But that's a blessing. Yeah. Initially, I thought, wait a minute. Here, I'm going to give you more responsibility to do more work. But that's a blessing in and of itself. Well, but the true blessing is, is, he says, enter into the joy of your Lord. And the joy of the Lord, we can take this and I think equate it to heaven as well. Mm-hmm. Because he talks about the kingdom of heaven is like this. Mm-hmm. There are those that will be greeted with well done, faithful servant. Yeah. Enter into the joy. Well, and I think... The thing about the work, though, I think that the work God gives us to do, it's tailored specifically for who we are, mm-hmm. and we should find joy in it, because God knows, understands us, and understands what makes us happy, understands what we can really, really uh, uh, excel at for mm-hmm. him, and it might be something really tiny, or it might be, you know, it's totally different for everyone, but I... Uh, I think when we get into the work God has given us to do, I I think it is joyful to just do that work. That's why we get more of it because right. it's a it's a wonderful thing to do. So, um, yeah, and yeah, and I agree. I think I think it's one of those things. And if you think about that from any human perspective, mm-hmm. if someone trusts you enough and says, "Here, I want you to be in charge of this." Mm-hmm. That's a blessing in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So all three of these servants were blessed with the trust, the trust initial the trust master. of, the, of yeah. their master. And it's interesting because we have this, this long delay where they can do things. And I think about that from our perspective of the return of Christ too. Um, the believers in the, in the early church thought Christ was coming back in their lifetime. Right. And they lived their entire lifetime thinking that, and it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And their descendants lived their entire lifetime, and it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so it has been for more than 2,000 years now. Mm-hmm. And there is a thought or a tendency to think, well, it's just not going to happen in my lifetime, so maybe I don't have to do anything. I can relax. Mm-hmm. I can I can back off. I can just say, eh. It, it's tempta- there's a temptation that, you know... It's going to happen later, so I won't have to be accountable for it. But I think that that's a that's a false statement here, and I think it's it's laid out well in this because he was gone for a long time. And right, and if even if if we don't get to see Jesus's return, if I die, I I do return to him, 
And so there will be a return. It's just me returning to him rather than him returning here. Uh, and so that this this uh, meeting up with the master is going to happen, whether right. wherever. So and there's a similarity with the first parable here, also in that um, the first two mm-hmm. were ready to give an account to the master when he showed up. Here it is, master. Let me show you what I did. The third one, instead of being ready to give an account, was ready to give an excuse. And, you know, my translation says, Lord, I knew you were you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, wet and hid it in ground. Look, there you have what is yours. Mm-hmm. I know that you're a hard man. Mm-hmm. So instead of risking anything mm-hmm. and... First of all, he was fearful, because if he yeah. risked it and lost it, he would have lost what was the master's. Right. But in doing so, his account was an excuse. Yeah. Because because you are a hard man, he I didn't do anything him. with it. Yeah. He immediately turned it. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where, if we look at it from that perspective, the third servant is not only unfaithful mm-hmm. because he didn't try. But he's also fearful of the master and not not willing to risk anything. He didn't even take responsibility because you no. did say, he says, I know you, this one says, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways. So he blames his inaction on the master. Right. And, and so he doesn't even take responsibility for not doing anything. I wonder if, I don't, you know, if he'd come and said, I'm sorry, Master, I did this with it and I lost it all. I think the Master would have said, but you tried. I think he would have, I, I wish we had, had another servant in here that came and said, I did all this, but I lost half the money. Or, right. I'd like to see what Jesus would have said about that. But I, I well, don't think, he, if it depends, I guess, probably what the servant's attitude was, you know. And Spurgeon's quote here says, Albeit this man was doing nothing for his master, he did not think himself an unprofitable servant. He exhibited no self-depreciation, no humbling, no contrition. He was bold as brass and said unblushingly, Lo, there hast thou that is thine. He's using the King King James, obviously, there. So we can say this servant didn't think, didn't think ahead, didn't think about what the master would say. He didn't work at anything. He didn't even try. Mm-hmm. And in the end, all he did was make excuses about it. Yeah. And in the end, after that that excuses and nothing else, the master answered him. And he called him wicked and lazy. Ugh, yeah. And you knew that I was a hard man. So at a minimum, you should have deposited with the bankers to get interest off of it. Mm-hmm. At a minimum, you should have used it and let someone else do the work. But mm-hmm. you didn't even do that. Mm-hmm. You didn't even share it with someone else who was working with it. Mm-hmm. And I even think about the money God gives us. And if you are incapable of taking that money or and doing something with it or feel like that's not your talent or whatever, you can at least give it to someone who can. Right. And even that would have been preferable. Not the best thing you could do. The best thing you could do is use it yourself yeah. to, to further God's kingdom. But if you're not, the least you can do is right. give it to somebody who can do it, who can do the work. Yeah. So if someone is not working, not evangelizing, not working towards God's kingdom, um, and they think they're doing it because, well, God's in charge and he'll just do it for us. I think that that level of laziness, 
is deplorable to God. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I don't want to get into a big argument about it, but there's there's some that believe um, so strongly in predestination that it's all God's choice whether you get saved or not, so we don't need to bother because mm-hmm. God's just going to pick it. That's not what the Bible says. We are meant to be working for the kingdom. We are meant to be spreading the word. We are meant to be calling calling those uh, calling others to us. So, in this case, the master did not judge him for being dishonest. He didn't judge him for even for the not being prepared. Mm-hmm. The judgment here was on laziness. Mm-hmm. The judgment was on laziness of the servant. Uh, so it's interesting um, that the first one was being unprepared. The first parable was being unprepared. The second one was just being lazy. Yeah. And just, yeah. And it says, for everyone who has more will be given. For him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And that was the, the final judgment on this on this. You know, servant. on this servant yeah. was, you know, therefore take the talent away from him and give it to him who has ten talents, and cast the unprofitable servant out into the utter dark, outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yeah, again, Ooh, don't want to be that guy. No, and and this is like you said, he's talking to the disciples about this concept. These are people who believe in him, saying, and he's saying, okay, mm-hmm. this is three days before he was crucified. Yeah, yeah. And he's saying, okay, I'm going on this journey. I am leaving you in charge. Yeah. And because you were in charge, I am giving you the responsibility of continuing the ministry. And like we said in the beginning, I think this applies to every single believer. If you believe, if you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, which you should be if you you truly accepted Christ, now... Now is the time. do, Do something about it. Yeah. It's something. not it's not something where you can just accept it and sit back and relax and say, Okay, I got my golden ticket, I'm good. Mm-hmm. That's not what God's telling us to do in this life. And unfortunately I think in a lot of in a lot of Christians, um, they are ready ready to rest. Mm-hmm. I think I wanted to bring this might be I want to give mm-hmm. some people just a couple ideas because I do know that sometimes people can get nervous and overwhelmed. And then that kind of thing can cripple you and you're not doing anything for Jesus and and you feel unable to. Two things that are simple. No, I'm going to say three things that anyone can do even if you're very nervous. One, if you're on social media in any way, just post a Bible verse. Just post it out and say, God, use this Bible verse to touch someone's heart. God's word never comes back void. So God will use that in someone's life. That's an easy thing to do. Anyone can do that. A second thing that's easy to do, you can pray for people. And you can even take a step further and say, can I pray for you? And actually pray with someone. And a third thing, you can start giving to God. I mean, we all can do that. You can give something, a dollar, ten dollars, whatever. But those three things don't take boldness, I don't think. No, and I would add, I would add one more to that. Okay. Um, I do believe... That to be a good and faithful worker, you have to be um, knowledgeable and you have to be uh, aware of what the job is and what you need to do. Both of these two successful servants, they said, went out and traded with it and doubled it. They worked hard at it, but they didn't get to that point where they could do that by sitting around. And I think in the same token for us, 
I think studying the Word, getting mm-hmm. into Bible studies, being in fellowship with others, finding a mentor, finding someone that can help you along to that point where you can cut loose yourself. Mm-hmm. If you are hesitant or if you don't know what to do, find the person that is doing something and say, hey, I want to know how to do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Seek it. Mm-hmm. And I think that is that is the strength of these two servants. In what they did, there was risk involved. Mm-hmm. Then, to the, get the money, yeah. they had to risk the money. Mm-hmm. Now, they were successful, mm-hmm. but there was a little bit of risk involved. Right. And the same thing in us sharing the, sharing the word and sharing God with other people and, and working for his kingdom here on earth. It, there is risk involved. Mm-hmm. But the better educated, the, better, the more skill you have, the more confidence you have, those things are part of this process of working. Mm-hmm. And so if you are feeling that you are not ready to do the work yet, find the education that will get you ready to do yeah. the work. And you can, if you don't know where to look for a mentor, just say, Jesus, help me find a mentor. I'll yes. help you find one. And when, if you go to your, your church community, you will find someone. And I, if you go to someone who is truly working for the kingdom and say, I want to work for the kingdom, but I'm not sure how can you help me. Oh, they'd they love will help that. you. Yeah, I would love to hear someone come up to me and say that. That would be awesome. Okay, so how about the third one? Can we read? Okay. Okay, this is the last one. And this one's interesting because it's different when it comes to a parable. Okay. It's not a story that says a man did this or a master and servant. It's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Let's yeah, let's let's dig into this okay. one a little bit. It's a little the challenging. The sheep and the goats. When he finally arrives, blazing in beauty, and all his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne. Then all the nations will be arranged before him, and he will sort the people out, much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting sheep to his right and goats to his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, "Enter you who are blessed by my Father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom." It's been ready for you since the world's foundation, and here's why. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was homeless. You gave me a room. I was shivering. You gave me clothes. I was sick. You stopped to visit. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Then he'll turn to the goats, the ones on his left, and say, get out, worthless goats. You're good for nothing but the fires of hell. And why? Because I was hungry and you gave me no meal. I was thirsty. You gave me no drink. I was homeless. You gave me no bed. I was shivering and you gave me no clothes, sick and in prison, and you never visited Then those goats are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or homeless or shivering or sick or in prison and didn't help? He will answer them, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you failed to do one of these things to someone who was being overlooked or ignored, that was me. You failed to do it to me. Then those goats will be herded to their eternal doom, but the sheep to their eternal reward. Wow, that's scary, isn't it? Yeah, again, we have... We have... uh... A judgment here. and Can I say one thing? It's interesting because... Oh, go ahead. Uh, when he talks about it, it says, All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another. Mm-hmm. 
Now, contextually here, sheep and goats, that was typical. At night when the shepherds, Mm -hmm. if they had both, they would separate them because goats do not have the same amount of insulation. They don't have the wool. Yeah. Sheep could handle the cold better and they would would separate themselves out. Yeah. The goats would clump together. Yeah. So if you put them all in the same space, it would be challenging. So they Mm -hmm. would separate the sheep from the goats. It was normal. Um, And it's... I don't think anything Jesus is saying here is putting down goats. That's what I was going to say. I wanted to make sure people know goats are wonderful animals. I love goats. I do too. I like goats more than sheep. We used to have goats. Yes. And goats are very smart and they're fun animals. There's nothing wrong with goats. Anyway, so let's... And usually if if you know sheep and goats at all, this is an agricultural look again. Goats are usually smarter than sheep. A lot smarter. But in this equation... It's just sheep and goats. Yeah, he's it talking sheep anything. and goats. He's okay. just separating two different. Uh, they're both animals. They're both used for the same thing, but they are being separated out now. As you're obviously a goat, or you're obviously a sheep, and he's separating them out in those ways. Okay. So, what else do you want to say here? It's just interesting when I look at this again. So, our first parable talked about being prepared. Mm-hmm. The second one prepared about talked about working for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And this third one is talking about compassion. Hmm. I think it's talking about compassion. When you see someone in need, did you do something about it? Did you follow the shepherd? You're the sheep. Mm -hmm. Did you follow the shepherd? Because Jesus, it talked about Jesus uh, when he saw the multitudes like a sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion Mm -hmm. upon them. When you saw someone in need, what did you do about it? Oh, yeah. It's a compassion thing. Because with the goats, he said, you saw these people with all these, with, you know, um, hungry or thirsty or a stranger, uh, needed clothing. They were sick. They were in prison. You, everybody saw these things. Both of them, he right. said. The first ones did it without even thinking about it. Yeah. When did we see all these things? And Jesus said, well, when these things happened, you had compassion and you did it. Mm-hmm. And the other one said, well, you know, to the others, he said, you saw these things too and you did not do it. Mm-hmm. So in other words, the, the things I take away from this, number one, we all have the ability to have compassion and we all have the need for it. And it is apparent. It is visible to all of us. Mm-hmm. It is something that you cannot deny. It's there. Now, what you choose to do about that is what Jesus is going to judge you on. Mm-hmm. What your choice is when it comes to that. The least of these, he says. Mm-hmm. Those, those below you. And those who are being overlooked or ignored by society in general. Who don't... I, I kind of took to that um, we're not to live out... This is what I wrote down. Mm-hmm. Not to live out our faith on display doing for those who are privileged and worth our time. That's in quotes, worth our time. Everybody's right. worth our time. But we're supposed to look to the ones who can't pay us back. The, right. the ones who are in desperate need that maybe don't even know how to ask. Uh, we can lend a helping hand. I mean, we all can do something. Of course, we can't We can't help every single person in the entire world, but Jesus isn't asking us to do that, just the one that's in front of us. Right. And... Um, and again, I love this concept when he does bring forward the, the sheep, uh, the sheep and the shepherd. Jesus uses that analogy a lot in the Gospels. And he says, um, my sheep know me and I know my sheep. Mm-hmm. And I think because of, the, again, the compassion link here, I think 
Jesus is saying the sheep should act like the shepherd. Mm-hmm. When the shepherd is not there, mm-hmm. you should be doing what I did. Because Jesus gave us the example of that compassion, that love, and the, and the care that he took for those that were the least. They were the outcasts. They were the lonely. They were the ones separated. Um, everywhere from the Samaritan woman at the well, the tax collector, Zacchaeus, um, eating with the eating with the with the lowest dregs of society, the people that were the least respected, mm-hmm. he had compassion for, and he really did something for them, and he did something that society would say they didn't earn, yeah. they didn't deserve. They're there because of the way they live. Mm-hmm. They're there because of the choices they make. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, I don't care. Yeah. If they need and you have the ability, mm-hmm. then do something. Yeah, we're not supposed to judge like, oh, they made this bed, let them lie in it. You know, God doesn't do that with us. No, thankfully. Yeah, because... Thankfully, you know, because there would have been no Christ. There would be no salvation because we didn't earn it. And in the same way that we received, we were meant to give. Yeah. And that is, we received openly, no strings attached. Mm-hmm. So why don't we give openly, no strings attached? And you know, if you and don't, again, yeah. Jesus says, if you don't, I don't know you. Yeah. And if if you want to do show compassion and you don't know how, just ask Jesus. I mean, we always have the opportunity if we don't know how to, don't know what to do, and it can get overwhelming because there's so much need. Just say, show me today how I can show compassion, Lord. And just go day by day. Day by day. And 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 we don't have to, to worry at the end. Jesus are gonna, is going to say, I never knew you because you never show compassion. If we just show compassion every single day to whoever God brings in our lives, um, we'll be doing his work. And anyway. And I, the other thing... Um, it's, it's interesting. He says, truly I tell you. He says that both to yeah. the sheep and to the goats. Truly I tell you. Mm-hmm. This is a... And he is... We have to remember that this is Jesus talking to his disciples right. again. Right. And he says, truly I tell you. There is, there is some... There's emphasis on this. That this is important. Yeah. This is an important thing, guys. I am telling you, be prepared... Work hard and do not ignore the needs of others. Mm, those three things are mentioned, mm-hmm. and all three of those things are, I'm not going to say conditional about the entrance to heaven, but that those three, these three things I think are warnings. Mm-hmm. And I think also they're, they're warnings. They're instruction, but they're warnings too. They're also, uh, if you are a disciple of Jesus, if you're a believer, you will be doing these things. Mm-hmm. And I these think, are expectations. Yep, yep, there you go. Expectations. Yeah, Jesus is expecting this this behavior from those that are following him. Yep. If you know me, you know this is what I want from you. Mm-hmm. If you didn't know before, now you do. Mm-hmm. We just talked about it. Yeah. And go into the Word for yourself and go in to look in those things and see where God's speaking to you in these parables. Um, there is so much depth in the parables of Jesus. There is so much wisdom there. And he spoke this way on purpose so that Mm -hmm. we could look at them and equate them to our own lives and look at these concepts. So um, I encourage you, go into it yourself and see what responsibilities Jesus has laid out before you. 
mm. what his expectations are. And the joyful responsibilities. And, and the joy that you will receive mm-hmm. when you fulfill these responsibilities will surpass anything you can imagine. It's a good way to end. Yeah. Okay, we'll see you next week. God bless.